So we're continuing this morning in our uh, little summer morning series in Bite-Sized and Believable, and we're looking at this, that series of statements that go to make up the Apostles' Creed, uh, that statement of faith, ancient statement of faith, that goes right back to probably the, the second or third century, and which unites God's people right around the world and right back uh, through time, uh, in, in which a statement of faith, faith in which we profess uh, belief in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, so we've we spent some time in the last couple of weeks looking at God the Father and God the Son. So this morning we're going to spend a little time uh, thinking on God the Holy Spirit. And uh, so as we come to God's Word, let us pray for a moment before we, we do that. Thank you, O my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving your Spirit till the work on earth is done. Father, we thank you for your presence with us this morning by your Spirit and your Word. So we pray, Lord, that our hearts would be open to your Spirit, our ears would be open to your Word, that you would speak to us this morning, that you would move amongst us, that you would be pleased to draw us to yourself, and that you would be glorified. For we pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. So this morning, as we, as we turn to look at the, the work of the Holy Spirit and the person of the Spirit, we're going to read uh, from John's Gospel. We're going to read uh, from John chapter 3, uh, some verses, one, verses 1 to 8 uh, of John's Gospel. And uh, it's a, an encounter between Jesus and Nicodemus. And the, uh, if you're turning to the church Bible, the uh, page number is 1065. So page number 1065 in the church Bible. Um, and we're going to read... Uh, about this encounter between Jesus and Nicodemus, where Jesus uh, starts to teach Nicodemus about the Holy Spirit. So John writes this. He says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you, you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. So as we continue looking this morning at the Apostles' Creed, I'm, I'm going to put the, the Creed up on the screen uh, in its entirety. Uh, I think this is the first time we've done this. We sang it a couple of weeks ago, um, but I want to put it up there. Uh, and I want to put it there because I know the font size is fairly small, but I want us to see the, the Trinitarian nature of the creed, how it, how it tells us about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And uh, when we profess our faith, uh, in the, our, our biblical faith, using the words of the creed, uh, we say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. That's God the Father. We say, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. 
born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. That's God the Son. And then I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. That's God the Holy Spirit. You see, the first paragraph speaks of God the Father, the second of God the Son, and the third of of God the Spirit. And just as the first and second paragraphs speak in their entirety of the Father and the Son, so the third paragraph really speaks in its entirety of the Spirit. Because this is not a a phrase on the Father and a phrase on the Son and then a phrase that just kind of mops up any other business, as it were. No, because it's all about the Spirit. Because as as it is the Holy Spirit who who shapes us into the, the Catholic, the Holy Catholic Church, and the word Catholic being used here in its truest sense and meaning universal. It is the Holy Spirit who unites us in the communion of saints. It is the Holy Spirit who comforts us in the knowledge of sins forgiven as we confess them through Christ. It is the Holy Spirit who ultimately will bring resurrection to the body and lead us into the life everlasting in the presence of all the glory and grace of the Father and the Son. So we've looked at the work of the Father and the Son, and we come now to the work of the Holy Spirit. And this is a big subject, let me tell you, for a preacher, this is a challenge. This is a big subject for one sermon. But I, I want to just, there's somebody protesting down in the corner already, but uh, I, I want to just, I want to just hope it doesn't spread. Um, <laughs> I think it'll be worth hanging around for. The Holy Spirit. I want to just trace the work and person of the, the Holy Spirit through the Bible and through history, uh, just briefly, just taking a few snapshots of the Spirit as we see Him mentioned in, in Scripture and as we see Him at work in the world. It's, uh, the Holy Spirit is mentioned in all of Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, we see Him being mentioned. And He's at work throughout the history of the church. He's been around since in the beginning, since, uh, since eternity, eternally equal and coexistent with the Father and the Son. So that's the first thing we need to see is that God, the Holy Spirit, has been active throughout the entirety of Scripture and the history of the world. And we see at the very start that the Father, with the Father and the Son, He's active in creation. Genesis 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and void. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Hovering, waiting to to form, to bring life, to create, to bring something new. Hovering, waiting to be at work. And then in the Old Testament, we see that the Spirit came on particular people at particular times for particular tasks. Just looking at one of them, for instance, Samson, on Samson for strength. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. The work of the Spirit on Samson. You see, in the Old Testament, throughout the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is promised by the Father. He's promised by the Father. In Ezekiel 36, God says this. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. 
Then we see the moving on, we see that the Holy Spirit was active in the birth of Jesus. He's active in everybody that's involved there. In Elizabeth and Zachariah and, and, and Mary, particularly, let's just look at Mary there. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, the, 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 God, the angel says, the, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Then John the Baptist, he links the Holy Spirit with Jesus. He's the first one to make this connection between the promise and, the, and Jesus, the fulfillment of the promise, starting to be fulfilled. John says, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You see, baptism with water is important, but there's more. There's more. There's more. Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit. In the secular Greek, the word baptize meant to immerse or to drench. Jesus wants to drench us with the Holy Spirit. He wants to fill us. You know, sometimes we can be spiritually dry, can't we? Like a dry sponge. And you know what happens when you put a dry sponge into a bucket of water? It just soaks in the water. And that's what Jesus wants us to do, to, to soak in the Spirit. And then you lift that sponge out of the basin of water and it's just saturated. Saturated. God wants us to be saturated with the Holy Spirit. That's how we're meant to be as we come to God in prayer and praise and worship individually and collectively. Soaking in God's Holy Spirit. Being drenched, full of the Spirit. And then we see in Scripture that that the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus at his baptism and remained upon him throughout his earthly ministry. Jesus himself was completely full of the Spirit. Luke chapter 3. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. That's why we sometimes use the dove to represent the Spirit. And a voice from heaven said, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And then Jesus goes on to conduct his entire ministry in the power of the Spirit. Look for, he declares, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He does it all in the power of the Spirit. And then Jesus predicts the Holy Spirit coming on his church. In Acts 1, uh, Jesus says to his disciples, you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth in the power of the Spirit. And then at Pentecost, we see the promise was fulfilled and the church is filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, it tells us they were all together. The disciples were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. And that's why we sometimes use fire to represent the Holy Spirit. That separated and came to rest on each of them. And also then in Acts 2, Peter quotes the prophet Joel when he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, it's regardless of gender. 
Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. It's regardless of age. Even on my servants, it's regardless of background, class, race, color. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Church, the Holy Spirit is now for everyone. Because since the day of Pentecost, we have been living in the age of the Spirit. And so in Acts chapter 2, Peter says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. The Holy Spirit is now upon every Christian and available to everyone who will come to faith and repentance in Christ. As we respond and respond to God's call, you see, he always takes the initiative, folks. And when we respond to his call, when we come to repentance and faith in Jesus, so he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives. And the Holy Spirit wonderfully does a number of things in our lives. And we can, we can perhaps understand these things in, the, in terms of family, a family. Firstly, the Holy Spirit makes us members of the family of God. You see, just as Jesus explained to Nicodemus in our Bible reading this morning, we are born again. Just as we have a natural birth, so when we come to faith in Jesus, we also have a spiritual birth. And just as at birth we come into a natural family, so when we are born again at conversion, we come into a spiritual family. And it's the family of God. And, and, And... we might not be able to put our finger exactly on when that happened for us, but for some people it's dramatic and, and we can. For other people it's more of a journey, a, dram- a, a gradual journey, a gradual process. But here's the important thing. Every single Christian, every single believer has the Holy Spirit. Every single Christian has been born again. There isn't born again Christians and not born again Christians if we have the Holy Spirit. We're Christians. We're born again. Every Christian is a member of the family of God. And as he gives us a spiritual birth, as he brings us spiritually alive, the Holy Spirit does a number of things as he works in the family. Firstly, he assures us that we are indeed God's children and he fills us with the joy of knowing that there's no greater privilege, no better thing than being a child of God. There's nothing better than that. It doesn't get any better, folks. That's the best thing. It's a free gift from God. Paul writes in Romans 8, he says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Brothers and sisters, we are heirs of God and heirs of Christ. And when he returns to judge the living and the dead... 
and to set up his kingdom in all its glory, we will inherit that glorious kingdom with him. And we will rule and reign with him. There is no greater privilege, there is no better thing in heaven or on earth. What a promise, what a privilege, what a promise for here and for there, for now and for then. What a privilege, what a promise. Secondly, as a child of God, we have the, the closest possible intimacy with God our Father. By the Spirit, we call him Abba, Daddy. You know, for Jesus' original hearers, this would have just blown their minds. Abba, Father, Abba, Dad, Abba, Daddy. This word speaks of the authority of God, yes, but it also speaks of the accessibility and the intimacy and the love of the Father, our Father. Then the Holy Spirit, we see, brings unity to the family of God. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, he says this, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit and one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is, who is over all and through all and in all. You see, as Christians having the Spirit of God, we are united with every other believer right around the world. No matter what denominational label they may wear. Every person who is born again by the Spirit. From every tribe and tongue and nation and language. They're our brothers and sisters. And every believer too who has gone on ahead of us in faith in Christ. Through all generations they too are our brothers and sisters. For in some wonderful mystical way we are also united with them. For there is but one body. One church. United across heaven and earth. One in the Spirit. And so we also see some other things then that the Spirit does. And just as, Nicodem- as Jesus said to Nicodemus, the wind, we can see what it does. We can't see the wind. We can't see the wind, but we can see what it does. And so it is with the Spirit. That's what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. We can't see the Spirit, but we can see what He does. And one of the things He does is this. He ships us into the family likeness. He brings us into the family. He assures us that we're part of the family. He shapes us into the family likeness. You know, they always say, don't they like father, like son? And I guess that's okay if, if your dad was the sort of person that it's okay to be compared with or like. I guess it's not okay, not so okay if he wasn't. Thankfully, mine was. But often, it's like father, like son, isn't it? You know, a a son will become increasingly like his dad, or a daughter will become increasingly like her mom. And that's the way it is with the Holy Spirit working in us. He, He makes us into the family likeness. He makes us increasingly like Jesus. He shapes us into the the family likeness. He makes us more like Jesus. You see, St. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, he says, We who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so the Spirit makes us more like Jesus in exhibiting the characteristics of Jesus and exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. Paul writes in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
These are the characteristics of Christ, you see, and these are the characteristics of his family. And these are the characteristics that the Holy Spirit grows in us as he works in us. And now they don't all happen overnight, they don't. But over time we should should see a change, we should become increasingly like him. That should become obvious in our lives over time. And the first element of the fruit of the Spirit that Paul mentions here is love. Love is at the center, the very center of the Christian faith. It's at the core. God loves us and he pours his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit he has given us, Paul writes to the Romans. And because Paul loves us and has given us his love in response, we love him and we love our neighbors. And and the second one then, joy. Joy, well, our Westminster Shorter Catechism tells us that our chief end is to glorify and enjoy God. And obviously, enjoying, there's an element of joy in there. As the Old Testament exiles returned to God, Nehemiah said to them, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord, as they returned to God, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Maybe you've been wondering, maybe you're a little bit of an exile Come back to God today and let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Now this joy of the Lord, we won't always feel filled with joy. Sure we won't, but, but some measure of joy should be evident in our, in our lives as the Holy Spirit works in us. One preacher I heard recently said, you know, in the church where I grew up, we used to sing, I've got this joy, 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 down in my heart, down in my heart down in my heart. And he said, well, maybe they had, but it looked to me like it would have taken a nuclear explosion to bring it to the surface. (laughs) Joy. Some measure of it should be evident, shouldn't it? The joy of the Lord. Just looking at that one characteristic that God is full of joy. That should help us to enjoy him with some joy I'm not going to speak about all the fruit of the spirit this morning folks just time doesn't allow for that but love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness and self-control as we submit to the Holy Spirit he works on us, he works in us he brings these things in our lives out he makes us he develops the characteristics of the family he makes us more like Jesus And then another thing that the Holy Spirit does is he, he equips the family for service. So while there is often a, a, a family likeness, yes, a, a, there's a family likeness and hopefully a unity in the family, there's also diversity in families as well, isn't there? And we see this in the church. This often comes in the shape of the, the many and very different gifts that God gives his children. No two people are exactly the same. Even identical twins aren't the same. We are each different, and likewise in God's family, we're each different, each have different spiritual gifts, and these gifts are to be used in his service, and as we witness for him, and as we build up one another in the faith. Speaking of the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul writes, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So we see that each one, each person, is given gifts of the Spirit, but they're to be used for the collective good, the common good. And there's over 20 spiritual gifts mentioned in the, in the Bible with which God equips his family. These are mentioned in a number of different places in the New Testament. If we, if we start to bring them together, for instance, from 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 and Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, we see, if we put them together, we see 
that there are gifts of service, exhortation, giving, leading, mercy, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, visions, discerning of spirits, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, hospitality, helps, administration, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And we all have some gift or other, we do. And it's vital, all equal and all vital for witnessing for Christ, for building up the body, for serving the Lord and one another. So every Christian has the Holy Spirit living within them. Yet when Paul writes to the church in Ephesus in chapter 5, he says this. He says, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. You see, the Greek word used here is in the present continuous tense. It means go on being filled over and over and over and over again. You see, God wants to fill us and he wants to refill us and he wants to to give us more and more of his spirit, more of himself. And of course, as I've said, every Christian has the Holy Spirit. He comes to live in us when we come to faith in Jesus, when we invite him into our lives. But sometimes we, we can feel a little flat, can't we? We don't always feel full of the spirit. A friend of mine was once asked, have you ever been filled with the Holy Spirit? And he said, yes, I have, but I leak. I leak. That's how we are with the Holy Spirit. Or one other uh, illustration that we give you. I remember I was volunteering at a big Christian event over at Spring Harvest uh, one year and I was staying in a static caravan there with some other volunteers. Uh, and in the kitchen of that caravan was a, a hot water heater, a gas boiler, geezer thing there. And uh, it had a little light on it. You know, if I tell you it had a little light on it flickering then you'll kind of probably know if you may be a caravan or something. So there was this gas water heater with this little flickering light just flickering most of the time until somebody turned on the hot water and then woof! If you were standing anywhere near it, woof! And, and, and I think it just came to life. And I think sometimes that's the way we are with the Holy Spirit. We're just flickering. We're a little pilot light just flickering there. But God wants to give us that woof. <laughs> Just like I scared myself there. He does. He does. He, he, he wants to really bring us to life. That's what he wants for us, to be on fire. To be on fire for him. So just as I finish... Just as I finish, God really wants to fill us and to refill us and to keep filling us with his Holy Spirit. So in a moment, we're going to just take a little time to invite the Holy Spirit to come and fill us anew, to do what Paul says we should do, to be filled with the Spirit. And his Spirit is here and we want more of him. And we're just going to invite him to to fill us anew, to fan the flame, to fan the flame, to bring us to life so that we can better live for him. And, and, And as he continues to build his church here, and in our city and in our nation and around our world to the praise of his glorious name Father, Son and Holy Spirit shall we pray for a moment let us pray as we come before him in prayer and as we continue to respond to what he has been saying to us here this morning God is here his spirit is with us. But let us ask for more, for more of his spirit, for more of him in our lives. 
and as he moves amongst us in the silence, let us hear the still small voice. Let us feel the intimacy of his breath upon us. Let us experience his power at work within us. Let us open ourselves afresh to him. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill us anew, we pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for your presence with us right here, right now. We thank you that you've been speaking to us. We thank you that you've been renewing us, refilling us. Father, please help us to come to you, to come to you often in prayer and praise and worship, individually and collectively with our family. But as you continue to move amongst us this morning, Father, we, we ask that you would continue to help us responding, continue filling us anew. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.